One of the many reasons why I love Sovereignty so much is that this company and these guys are really not afraid to get creative. It's extremely novel for my podcast listeners, yes, that they are doing something called Your Favorite Money Back Guarantee. Mm -mm -mm. And it's only for the true sex and wild love listeners. If you guys purchase the product and you do not like it, which I promise you probably won't because I'm obsessed with it and it's one of my favorite things. Not only do you get your money back, but Sovereignty will buy them their favorite supplement instead. I mean, have you ever heard about this? I haven't. This has never been something that's been offered, I don't think, in the history of all. Maybe it has. But even more importantly, for the True Sex and Wild Love listeners, you get your money back guarantee. And then if you don't even like it, Sovereignty will buy you your favorite supplement instead. So what I want you to do right now is pause this podcast. I know, crazy. Again, pause this podcast and go to sovereignty.co co slash T-S-W-L, True Sex Wild Love, immediately. You will not regret it. And again, that is sovereignty.co slash T-S-W-L. All right, from better sex to stress relief to healing wounds to all of these things, CBD is where it's at, you guys. Some of you guys have already heard me talk about CBD, but this one is my favorite. It's called My Daily Choice CBD, and they have tinctures and topicals and face masks and bath bombs and gummies, basically whatever and however you want to ingest CBD in a really delicious way, they got you. So I want you guys to check them out. I use this absolutely every night before I go to sleep and I travel with it everywhere I go. I am that addicted to CBD. I actually thought that CBD was a joke, to be honest, for a while. And then I started using it on a daily basis and it really does make a difference in how I can relax at the end of the day and how I can sleep. Also, funny story, I burnt my leg recently. So I've been putting my daily choice CBD on my leg and inflammation is going way down. So thank you guys. This is a perfect partnership at the perfect time. And of course, the True Sex and Wild Love listeners, you guys get a special offer. So hell yes, it's a 60-day money back guarantee. So that's right, 60-day money back guarantee on any of the products. So head over to bitbit.ly slash T-S-W-L-M-D-C. That's True Sex, Wild Love, My Daily Choice. So one more time, I know it's a mouthful, bit.ly slash T-S-W-L-M-D-C and you get a 60-day risk-free money-back guarantee. Mm, Enjoy, y'all. It's the episode in the moment that everyone, including myself, even though I was there, has been waiting for. Oh boy, it's our big squirting episode, right? Where Kenneth Clay teaches me to squirt. And I have to say, as somebody who has studied female sexuality full-time for six years, I did not think there was anything new for me to learn, but there is, there was, and I did. Oh, you certainly did. I was there. You guys, I can vouch for her that she certainly learned how to squirt, and Kenneth tells you how, and you get to, you are basically going to feel like you are in the room with us as this was going on. Yeah, it's a tutorial. And, you know, I used to think that squirting was like a party trick or, you know, a thing in porn, which sometimes it's really misrepresented there and that it was super performative. And that's really not what this is about. If you're a woman who's not interested in squirting, no problem, but you might want to learn about what it is. And it's really more about how awesome female sexuality is. So all I can say is wear your raincoat and we have video. Yes. So go behind (laughs) closed doors with Wednesday and I for the epic Kenneth Play squirting episode. You are going to subscribe at truesexwildlove.supercast.tech. Enjoy, guys. Today on True Sex and Wild Love, we speak to Merhen Keller, who is a model. Instagram influencer, and human rights activist who helped trigger the Me Too movement in Egypt. Yeah, her story is really inspiring. It brought up a lot of emotions within me, and she 
goes deep into what she personally experienced with a pro footballer over there from inappropriate and aggressive messages and how she is helping other women come out about this and support each other through that. Big changes in Egypt right now, thanks to social media and women like Merhan Keller and thousands of other women in Egypt pushing back against sexual assault and sexual harassment. Hope you enjoy the listen. Mm -hmm. Enjoy, guys. And to remind y'all about our Behind Closed Doors subscription, specifically for you guys. I mean, this is really deeper conversations from our show. Nothing is off limits. There's already some really great episodes up there that you can go subscribe and it's called Behind Closed Doors. What do you think of it, Wednesday? Isn't it? Hasn't it been fun to do this? It's been so much fun to go behind closed doors because it's no holds barred. We get really intimate. It's really juicy. We answer your personal questions. If you subscribe, you can send us questions. We'll talk about them. And we just go deep and it's very NSFW. (laughs) That's right. So subscribe here at truesexwildlove.supercast.tech. All right, Wednesday, we're back. We're back better than ever, if I might be so bold as to say that. Hell yeah, I absolutely agree with that. You know, just always improving. (laughs) Always improving. And today we have Merhen Keller with us, and we are going to talk about how Me Too is setting Egypt and other parts of the Middle East on fire right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is going to be a great conversation. When you sent this to me about a potential guest, I was like, oh, hell yes. Oh, hell yes. It's so exciting. So before we start to talk to Merhen, I'm just going to give a tiny bit of background, which is that our listeners love social media. And recently, this Instagram account called At Assault Police became flooded. Uh, It was opened up, the account was opened up so that women could share their stories of sexual assault in Egypt. And soon hundreds and hundreds of women were posting. Women in Egypt are fed up. And one of the people who helped start this movement is Merhen Keller. Merhen, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that I'm with you ladies today. We're really excited to have you. So, Merhen, could you just um, give us a little bit of information about how long Assault Police um, has been a presence on Instagram and why you think so many women are being drawn to it, not just in Egypt, but across the Middle East? Yes, correct. And Assault Police has started uh, maybe a month ago or so. And the whole point was to expose a serial rapist slash harasser who has assaulted so many women. Um, Before that, we always try to hide if somebody assaulted a woman or somebody harassed her or touched her um, because the society always tend to blame the woman. It must be the way you're dressed. It must be uh, the way you present yourself, your demeanor, you're asking for it. And that's why nobody ever complains because you will end up being victimized again. So not just being someone who's harassed and hurt and scared, you're just going to end up being an outcast and nobody's going to talk to you and they will scandalize you and your family. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of fake. Um, so Assault Police started um, under this account. Nobody even knows who's the person who started it. Um, there's so many people involved, and they were helping collecting evidence uh, so that they can pursue the harassers or the rapists legally with proof. And that's how everything came to light. Whitney, I bet it sounds very familiar to you as it does to me to hear about women being afraid to come forward because they will be held to a ridiculous standard. They have to be absolutely right. actually pure and and um, absolutely, you know, 110% upstanding in order to level a charge of sexual harassment or sexual assault against somebody, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really crazy. And the other side, exactly what Mehran was saying was the fact that if you do come out about it, not only have you had to go through the trauma of the harassment and deal with that on its own, but 
that you could be turned on from your family to friends to career. And that's, you know, unfortunately here in the States as well. To your point, it's really dangerous to speak out. And before we dive into this a little bit deeper with Merhen, I just want to say, speaking, I think for both of us, Wit, stop me if I'm wrong, but we are not coming at this as two white Western women saying, wow, those poor women in the Middle East, we have it all figured out here. And we're going to be like, we're going to be like their saviors and help them. No way. Our president is an assaulter in chief. And the Mm -hmm. most we can do here is identify and amplify and know that, you know, our situation isn't necessarily a hell of a lot better. No, exactly. And this is like, okay, how can we learn from each other and how can we support each other from moving forward? And like, what what can we do? Exactly. So Merhan, I think this is a question that you probably yourself and the women that you're working with in the Middle East, um, especially I know in um, United Arab Emirates and Egypt, um, you probably confronted this question a lot, right? Like, how do we support each other and what can we do? And one of your answers was, we can go on Instagram. So tell us a little bit about what happened once Assault Police started. When Assault Police started, they posted a photo of uh, Ahmed Bassam Zeki, and one woman told the story. She said, I've been assaulted by that guy. He threatened me. He forced me to do some sexual acts. Um, he told me he was going to tell my family if I cut that relationship or if I stopped responding to him. And He was suddenly, a blackmailer and an assaulter. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And the, the, the sad part is he's actually a very well-educated person. He traveled, he's well-traveled. So he's, he's not supposed to be this ignorant. But sadly, and what I came to a conclusion is that males, sometimes they feel encouraged because of what the society allows. It's exactly like as if you leave something precious um, or expensive and somebody sees that there is nobody around, nobody will see me if I do it. So I would just do it regardless of whether he thinks it's right or wrong. It's just the opportunity. It's the opportunity, right? And I mean, we see this in the United States. Um, when when um, Merhen was on my Wineless Wednesday, Whitney, one of the things that we talked about was how in Egypt, people believe that sexual assault is, quote, just a problem that happens on the street, unquote, and, quote, just mm-hmm. an urban problem, unquote. And people there also believe um, that, you know, it's basically about people not being educated, that that only uneducated men sexually assault women. Meanwhile, hello, Cairo was ranked the most mm-hmm. dangerous megacity in the world for women. 99% of Egyptian women who responded to a UN survey said that they had been sexually harassed and 96% said they had been sexually assaulted. This yeah. has got to be men across the board doing this shit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So very, sorry, Merhan, I a little bit interrupted you there. Please continue. Yeah. You were talking about how people were surprised that he was this educated man from an elite family and that he really used that as a shield to blackmail, some people think, dozens and dozens of women and assault them. Yes, exactly. Um, so this is when a lot of women came up and said that the same person has assaulted them. Um, everybody provided proof. And that was the difference this time, is that everybody made sure that they collect evidence, not just tell stories or sub-stories that people would just get past it with the time, but now they can actually take a legal action. In, in Egypt or the UAE or any other Arab country, the laws are pretty much similar. But women don't really know that there is a law in the books that protects me. Um, They don't really care what the book says. They care about what their families say. Because if you can't go to school or even go for grocery shopping, what kind of life would you have? I remember just at the top of my head, the the sexual harassment for me started since I was maybe eight, eight years old, eight or nine maximum. And it just lasted for as long as I stayed um, whether in the street, teachers, uh, doctors, even sometimes in the clinics, because they know that you can't 
step a foot outside and tell your mom that this person touched me. It's just, it's everywhere. And people started to realize that you cannot always use religion against me as a woman. And that was, that was the, 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 the point that was different from what they're used to. Usually this is the scarecrow. If they say, oh, but this is a sin or whatever, anything related to religion, this is when mm. we shut up because we're scared to step on any boundaries or offend anybody. But I'm sorry, what kind of religion gave you the right to touch me and scar me for good? I don't think any religion exists that, that gives you the right to do so. And if it does, that's not a religion that I would relate to. So, God, I love that. <laughs> so do I. And, you know, for people who want to educate themselves about this, Whitney and I were really honored to have Village Auntie on our podcast, who is a sex positive uh, Muslim sex educator who speaks at great length about how Islam could easily be seen as a sex positive religion and that it is mostly, you know, Muslim men and Westerners who don't understand Islam, who have twisted it to, mm-hmm. um, you know, subdue women. <laughs> so can we go back a little bit? Um, I want to talk about how you got involved in this merhen and you actually, I think of you as one of the people responsible for this uh, big wave of Me Too that's happening right now because of things that happened to you a year ago. But before Mm -hmm. we talk about that, I don't know about you, Whitney, but one of the big images in my head um, when I thought about Egypt is I thought about the Arab Spring demonstrations and how there was so much hope in the air and there was so much enthusiasm and just the really important role that Egyptian women played um, in Arab Spring uh, in Egypt. And yet they were sexually assaulted on the street for yes. participating in those demonstrations. It was like in demonstrating side by side with men for everybody's freedom. It was as if men were saying to them, now you're public property and we can do whatever we want with you. Oh, absolutely. And that also had a political uh, side of it. Because think about it, if I'm a woman and I'm going to be assaulted, if I go or join a demonstration, first, my parents are going to refuse me going to the demonstration because they don't want me to get hurt. And if they hear on TV or the radio that women are getting touched and groped, everybody who has a daughter, they will say, no, you can't go. And this is how they made sure that there are no opposition in the streets. That's how they played it. Wow. So it's like rape and sexual assault as the <laughs> ultimate coercive right. tactics, right? Threatening you, basically. If you show up, this is what's going to happen to you. So it's either or. So fast forward from that happening um, during Arab Spring, can you talk about what happened to you? Because I think that when we talk about assault culture, which we live in an assault culture, our president openly admits that he assaults women and becomes yeah. president. Yeah. Um, so can you talk about how that assault culture brought you to the place you were a year ago and what you did a year ago, because this is a really inspiring story to me. Thank you. Well, it's exactly the same thing over and over again in every country. If you think about it, females in general are not really anybody's priority. I mean, yes, they can be nice about it and try to sugarcoat it, but the truth is it's not. I mean, people, when they try to address me and they don't know my name, they either say miss or missus, as if your 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 medical status is going to dictate how they treat you, but a male is always referred to as Mister, because uh-huh. him being married or not doesn't matter. He's always mm-hmm. going to be as, as the, an active member in the community. He has rights and he has everything, but for us, yeah. it doesn't happen. So there are always Amen. more important things that come as a priority. When I spoke about what happened with me which is a footballer who's very famous in Egypt, very famous name. And he's used to send women explicit um, and sexual content via text messaging on Instagram or Facebook. He usually send them um, at first just a normal message. He sent me saying, uh, boxing, question mark, ha, 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 
course, I didn't understand what he's talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you had posted a picture of yourself at a boxing match or with your boxing yeah, gloves or something. Yeah, exactly, the boxing gloves. It wasn't even a picture of myself. It was just the boxing gloves. Okay, right. I think he thought this is like an icebreaker just to open a conversation. Um, yeah. But because I was surprised why six famous football players are on my profile at the same time, I was asking my brother who that is because I, I didn't know him. I did not live in Egypt for so long, so I'm not really aware of the superstars and big names in football. So I was talking to my brother, and he's like, this is weird. They have a championship right now, and they're staying up until 5 a.m. in the morning just to talk to girls. This is crazy. And I think he saw that I opened the message, and he got offended that I didn't respond because he's used to it. He's used oh, to Lord. face him. Or young girls who are starstruck, and very happy to talk to um, an athlete or whatever. So he got offended that I didn't respond. And this is when he started to be aggressive and, and send me messages like, do you know who the hell I am? Um, nobody ignores me. Are you ignoring me? I can get your number. I know where you live. Um, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. So that was crazy. So I thought to myself. Wow. So I just want to point out, he like, as Whitney just interjected, he escalated when he felt ignored. He felt yeah. entitled to escalate to threats of violence right, right away. Right away. <laughs> so I was like, okay, he's just another pathetic male figure going around, doesn't know what to do with himself. But so yep. I blocked him and I ignored it. And then two days later, I get a message on my WhatsApp on my phone number saying, see, I, I told you I'm going to get your number. Dubai is so small. I can find you. I know where you live. Don't fuck with me. You're a whore. You're this and that. And then he started with the insults. And then he sent me two videos of himself masturbating. Oh, wow. So, it's so mind-blowing to me that he, like, how, oh, God, it's gross. You know what was very shocking for gross. me? Is that usually guys are a bit discreet. Like, they would send you a picture that is is cropped. He's never going to show his face or he's going to hold the phone up to his face or something, especially if he's a public figure. But mm -hmm. he sent a video of himself with his face in it. That tells me that he was 100% sure that he will never be um, held accountable for what he does. And Ooh, he just yeah. felt so confident in that. Yeah, yeah and the fact that he's probably done this so many other times and well, so yeah. many people have not come out about it. So he felt super confident just completely putting it all out there. Absolutely. When I did some background check, it wasn't that difficult. I found his Wikipedia page and it said that um, for six years, first, he was accused of raping a French tourist in Algeria where he had a, a camp with his team and she couldn't prove it because there were no cameras and, you know, it's still, you know, in Arab country, it's really difficult to get around if you don't speak the language. There are a lot of challenges that you face. And also he got kicked out of three teams before for harassing his teammates' wives and groping them. The coach uh, went to the training and he found out that his colleagues are actually beating him up for harassing their, their, their wives. He's done that so many times. This is why it was beyond me. Why are you guys surprised and still supporting him? I'm not giving you something new. That's not news. He's been doing it for so long. And, you know, it's not enough to just write it off and say, oh, well, he's crazy or he's an extreme example. He's a person who was aided and abetted by yeah. an assault culture um, that ran very deep to, to think, as you say, Merhen, that he's not accountable at all. And I just want to say one other thing, which is this is a spectrum. I mean, I think Whitney and I and many of our listeners can speak to this. First of all, he straight up stalked you when he got yeah. your app number and reached out to you. That is stalking. Um, yeah. In many um in some states in the United States, it is illegal to send an unsolicited dick pic. Um, yeah, so Texas that, is one of them. And Texas is one of them, right? So in some places, those are already perforce crimes. But I got to say, even in places where they're not considered crimes or somebody is not as extreme as Warda, which is his name, mm -hmm. yeah. there's a spectrum and many women experience these kind of coercive um, behaviors where men who feel ignored get angry and make threats, right? So like, it's important mm -hmm. to understand that there is a spectrum here and that while 
you know, one end of the spectrum is different from the other. It's important to know that it's a spectrum and that a man who rages at you for ignoring him, that's unacceptable. Just like stalking somebody is unacceptable. 100%. And the other thing is what drives me crazy is the accountability of these professional teams. Like he's, he already has multiple sexual assault and rape, I guess, uh, uh, charges. Have they, has he been charged? I'm not sure. But regardless of that, it's super, that's coming out constantly. And these teams keep bringing him on as an athlete. I mean, we even see that here in, in the U S to where it is sexual assault, but also domestic violence is the NFL is still signing professional athletes who have been convicted of sexual, uh, of um, domestic abuse. And I don't understand how that's possible. Even the UFC does it. It drives me insane. Because they don't think it's such a big crime. They don't think it's such a big deal that he just harassed you. Just get over it. You're a woman. Just And you you know what else goes into it? I'm just realizing the stupid belief based on shitty science that men are just more naturally sexual than women and hey like a big swinging dick athlete having a big swinging dick is just part of being a big successful man you know and they get a genius pass for it it's like oh yeah what do you want he's like an athletic genius of course his libido is out of control it's it's part of his strength no it isn't if you're oh, a man really? and your libido and quest for power over women are out of control, uh, you are not an athletic genius. You are a loser who is abusing women. Absolutely. Yeah, and I don't even think you're like a man, <laughs> honestly. Like, yeah, I just exactly. don't because it's like you can't control yourself. You literally have no self-control that it's yeah. just you will do absolutely anything and everything from, you know, like we talked about, there's the spectrum from texting somebody to sending videos to stalking to rape. It's just like, what? Like how, how as a man, can you even Mm -hmm. agree to that? I always say that this makes you feel less of a human being because you can just, you can't control your urges. So that's right. not even man. That's not a human being. So you should be embarrassed to even use that excuse because you just told us that your IQ is like a cucumber. And <laughs> well said. <laughs> and no, and yep. <laughs> the other thing I want to point out here is that you, one of the things you're talking about is enabling right? And Whitney's, Whitney's doing the same thing. Like, but you're, Merhen, you're talking about how his teammates, even when they were angry at him and beating him up, they kind of enabled this because they didn't go public with it. They enabled Warda thinking he could do more. And Whitney's basically saying, Hey, all of you who like football so much, how come you're enabling people who commit domestic violence against their partners to become big, well-paid, well-compensated, respected athletes. The enabling is sick. And how about our president with his enablers? The enablers have got to go. Oh, yeah. And they didn't just not do anything about it. The next game when he was like, they kicked him out of the team and then he got reinstated. But that game where he was not playing and he was allegedly getting punished, his teammates actually lifted his t-shirt up as if he was a martyr. They oh my God. Yes, so wait, let, me, let me make sure I understand this. You made these accusations against Warda. And so the, the football officials here, we would call them soccer officials, hmm. um, took him out out of a couple of games just and one. just one. And when they did that, his enablers, when mm-hmm. he couldn't play in the game, they lifted up his team Jersey into the air. Yeah. Like he yeah. was a victim. Yes, exactly. And, uh, one of them scored a goal. And after he scored the goal again, he ran to the fans lifting up his t-shirt, wear this t-shirt as a sign of support. Like, oh, poor guy. He got kicked out of the team for simply raping women and harassing them. (laughs) That was a scene. I'm rarely speechless. It's crazy. And the funny thing is actually people in the, I mean, people watching the game or attending the game at the stadium, they were cheering um, against them. They were telling them that this is wrong. Even spectators didn't like that. Oh, so, okay. I want to ask a question. Just yeah. how did it feel to be the woman who 
said, first of all, how did you get to the point where you said, I'm going to call this guy out on, on harassing me. And then how did it feel when, you know, an entire soccer team seemed to be against you and, you know, all of Egypt had an opinion of you and a lot of Egyptians had very bad opinions about you. Oh my gosh. He pulled all the strings he could possibly pull and it did work out in his favor for a while. Um, when I decided to talk about it, I didn't even mention his name. All I did is I posted on my Instagram story. I said, people in Egypt, some of them or many of them are so poor. They actually have to borrow money just to pay for a cup of tea to sit at the cafe and watch you because they don't have those sports channels at home. They borrow money just to watch you and you are so irresponsible. You don't care about these people. You don't care about anything but yourselves and you're staying so late harassing women online. I didn't even say the content of the messages or his name. Suddenly, every single woman is texting me and saying, I know who you're talking about. It must be Warda because he did it to me too. And that's Mm. I didn't even say his name. His reputation is well known for years. That he they is- said they said he did it to me too. Yes, exactly. Until- How did that feel for you when you put that out on your Instagram and then you realize, like, wow, there's so many people that are coming forward about this? It felt so good because for the first time, I didn't feel alone and I didn't feel like people are judging me. I felt like other women are actually reaching out and saying, don't worry, it's not your fault. I'm there too. Until a 14-year-old texted me. And that was that was the breaking point for me. Until then, I didn't say his name. I didn't take him on like publicly. A girl texted me. She said, I'm 16 now. I was 14 when he texted me on Instagram. And of course, she was starstruck, so happy that he talked to her. And she started to, oh, yeah, he's going to fall in love with me, Prince Charming and all that. And then he convinced her to send him nudes that Mm. he blackmailed her with for two years straight to the point that she dropped out of school because she couldn't focus. She couldn't eat. She was always scared. And she dropped out of school. When she texted me that, I felt responsible because she cannot defend herself. But now I'm in the position that I can. And it will be really bad if I don't do anything about it. If this so that, and to be clear, was he blackmailing her to have, to have sex with him? He was blackmailing her to go to his hotel. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I want to just say something. When you have blackmailed somebody into having sex with you, that's not consent. So that's called rape. Absolutely. Even if she said yes, and in the middle she said stop, then you have to stop. Absolutely. So so you heard from this 14-year-old girl, and you said it's time. Yes. What did you do then? I just took my phone and I went to the Dubai police. And luckily they have one of the best uh, digital police um, in all the Arab world. So I took my phone and I told them what happened. They took my phone. They said, we have to confirm the authenticity of those videos. We have to make sure that it's actually him. It is not um, fabricated. We have to make sure of the source. Where was it sent from? So they kept my phone with them. And that was crazy because he didn't know that. He didn't know that my phone is with the police. And he continued sending threats and, and horrible things. And the police officer was the one receiving it on the other end. He, they saw in real time what this guy is capable of oh, and wow. what he has been doing. Exactly. It was horrible. And then they called me the next day from the public prosecutor's office. And I was like, wow, that escalated quickly. And he's like, I need you to come to my office. So I went to his office and he's like, this is horrendous. I've never seen something this graphic in my whole life. I can't imagine my daughter receiving something like this. So we got you. Don't worry. We will take the legal route and you're safe. They actually assigned uh, police officers to be down my building 24 seven and even escorted me to the mall in case I wanted to go out just to make sure I'm safe from the crazy football fans who were attacking Mm. left and right for doing this. Oh, you're distracting him. We're going to lose the championship because of you. And I'm like, what? (laughs) That's such a big accusation. No, if they lose the championship, it's because of him. And they did. Right. (laughs) They lost because of him. Once he touched the ball, it was done. They scored, the other team scored, and we got kicked out. That was the first game he played after that little pause. How many times? 
have women been told, if you speak out, it mm. will ruin his life. Like the swimmer, right? He's been called the Stanford swimmer. We should call him the Stanford rapist. Yeah. And so many young women uh, were told that if they speak out about young men assaulting them, they will ruin his life. Hey, no, oh. he will have ruined his own life Correct. by, by assaulting someone. Absolutely. Right. It's on him. It's not on her. He's yes. the one that is doing it. It's not that she's going to take away the the trophy or the championship. He decided to do exactly what he wanted and that's yes. what caused mm-hmm. the pain but also for the team to lose. Just yes. like it's not on a woman to wear a niqab. It's mm-hmm. not like it's not on a woman to say I'm going to skip the mini skirt in mm-hmm. order to not be raped. It's exactly. on the man, but we yep. keep flipping the script. It happens mm-hmm. in in Egypt. It happens in the United States. It happens in South America. It happens all over the world. We skip, we flip the script and we, you know, put the blame on MAME, right? Yeah, we blame exactly. women. Exactly. And at the same day, I actually went live because I thought, you know what, let me speak to my people because these are my people. It's my country. I know that they are fathers and brothers and neighbors. And if they know the whole truth and how ugly our life is, they will never allow that to happen. So I told them, guys, you always say I'm looking for a wife or I'm looking for a girl to get married to. And I want her to be so pure and innocent. No man has ever touched her. How do you expect this to happen if every single man is touching every single girl in the country? You want us to be pure and clean, but you're harassing me right now. At the same time that somebody else is harassing your sister in her university as we speak. Wake up. Yes. Exactly. So you need to understand that this is a major problem. You say we're going to lose a championship. How about my deformed ideas of sex? How about you stripping me from my rights to feel good with a partner that I'm in love with? You completely deformed the idea of sex for women in Egypt. It became something horrible, nasty, painful, hurtful. How do you expect her to have a, a normal life? In Egypt, women are almost half the population of the country. How do you expect a country to be strong and advanced if half of its people are crippled with fear? And that's the point, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Isn't that the point? To cripple women with fear. Egypt, a country that has produced um, amazing female scientists, um, you know, amazing female politicians, um, amazing female writers, dissidents, activists Mm -hmm. but the the assault culture is there to remind them oh there might be these exceptions and they might be celebrated but let's not forget that the baseline absolutely this is how i actually got to know you wednesday because i realized that i have absolutely no idea about my body i don't know even how it looks from down there i never looked because it, it always in my head is something bad I'm not supposed to do. At the same time, that men are describing our body parts while they're touching us and grabbing us. And it's, it's forbidden for me to talk about my own body, but he can talk about my body. I felt like I've, I've spent a lifetime knowing absolutely nothing about my sexuality and about my body as a woman. And that broke me. That's why I reached out to you. I felt like this is the time. It's not just about politics. It's not just about our rights. It's also about women in Egypt to understand their bodies and sex and what to expect and how to approach it and get facts rather than hearsay and amended things. Just men did it just to convince us that we are second-class citizens. Wow, sex is so tied up with hierarchy and politics, isn't it? And then there goes the pleasure. It's almost like you're describing a world that a lot of us are familiar with in which men say sex isn't yours to want or enjoy. Yes. It's just for me to take. Exactly. And if if it's taken from you, even by force, somehow it's still your fault. So you right. end up disappointing them anyway. And this is when I decided, well, okay, too bad. You're already disappointed. So I'm just going to try to please myself rather than please you because you're impossible to please. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just want to say Whitney and I are so honored that we were part of your journey to realize that my sexuality is mine. I couldn't believe when you said, yes, I I want to do this. And this is what I told my my crowd. I told them, you see, everyone is trying to help and they're experts who know more than us. So why are we floundering around trying to find answers? We can just ask for help. There's nothing wrong with that. Reach out to experts who've already built a career around this topic and get accurate information instead of the stupid thing. So woman in the Middle East is just a hymen. If you're, if you didn't bleed, you're a whore. End of story. We don't want explanation from you. We don't want to hear you. We don't want to know what you've been through. We don't care. And And this is, this is how they attack you. First, you're so ugly. Why would he even look at you or try to touch you or harass you? You're lying. You're so ugly. You're so ugly. You're so ugly. And then you think you're going to be so hurt to answer back or defend yourself, right? You're just going to go cry in your room and just life is Mm -hmm. going to go normal but that didn't happen this time i was like okay i am ugly go ask him if i'm so ugly why did he do that don't ask me ask him for explanation this is just a funny thing to say it, it, to, to devalue women who are accusing you of something to devalue their accusation by devaluing the way they look mm-hmm. that tells you you are living in an ecology that is for shit for women <laughs> Mm-hmm. It is, <laughs> and for anybody who's not on the top, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was the first thing we did. That is classic. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, Whitney, but it happens to me on Instagram all the time. If I put a controversial idea out there, there will always be one troll who has to talk about my looks or my age or you know whatever it is because I'm so threatening. And one of the best ways to try to put me back into my cage mm-hmm. is to tell me that I'm not pretty. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. It's like, whoa. Like, dude, <laughs> really got me there, didn't you? Yeah. But you see, the thing is that if you actually don't care about the way you look and you're more focused on, on your content and you're trying to deliver a message, they will tell you you're ugly and blah, blah, blah. If you're actually very well put together and so dressed nicely and you look good, they'll be like, oh, look at that plastic bitch who's just, you know, she doesn't uh, know anything. You're all fake and plastic. You're, I, I can't even look at you because this is not how you're supposed to look. Okay, so you and they'll go for like the money too. Yeah, like oh well, you can only do that because you're rich. You can only do this because you have that. Yeah, oh, okay. There's, There's always a big pause in the conversation, and it's always, right. Yeah, and it's always and the funny thing is that they think that until now we're still really gonna bite. We're not. We are not. If you can tell me that I'm a whore, I'm going to say, okay, thank you very much. I'll take it as a compliment. This means totally. I'm strong and decisive. Uh, you can tell me that I'm ugly. I'll tell you, look the other way, sweetheart. If you don't want to see me, no problem. Just scroll past my, my ugly picture. If you she's think a model. That- literally a model. And I just <laughs> yeah, she's like, like a super this, babe. This tells me oh, how dude. deep misogyny is. That even women <laughs> who conform to uh, an ideal so close Closely that they are paid to embody that ideal. When they say something controversial, they will be devalued for their looks. Exactly. And then you're going to go to hell. That's obviously the last stop. You're going to go to hell. And I was like, okay, if you really believe I'm going to go to hell, why are you even telling me? You should be happy. You won, man. You're going to go to heaven and you're sure that you're going to go to heaven. Isn't that good enough for you to be happy and just leave people alone? Why, why do you feel the need for me to tell you, yes, you're right. I'm going to go to hell. Okay. I'm going to go to hell because guess what? There's nowhere worse than here. (laughs) If you guys are going to keep treating us like this, then Mm -hmm. I'm going to hell gladly. There's only, there's only upward movement, right? And I feel like one of the things that you did, Marhan, is you listened to that 14 year old girl and you said, I'm going to go to the yeah, it's, I'm not it's gotta be better than this. It can't, this can't, this can't happen anymore. Cause this is one of the worst things. So overwhelming when I checked the hashtag and I found 362 women complaining from the same guy. And I was like, Oh my God, guy. 
A hundred years in jail for that, I guess. And I mean, he masks the fact that he's one spectacular guy in the spotlight who harassed so many women. Let's not let that be like Harvey Weinstein, where then we also forget about every other douchebag doing this to women. Like there are these Mm -hmm. spectacular instances and then there are the everyday instances of assault and harassment, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So what happened to this guy? Where is he at now? Well, he is like a disease. No club wants him. So basically he's out of the Egyptian national team for good. And that's a final decision. He will never represent Egypt in any shape or form again. He earned Uh, that for himself. He earned that punishment. Absolutely. And uh, for his club, he used to play in clubs in Greece and Portugal. Um, They keep just selling him to another club. That other club allows him to train for a day or two, and then they kick him out again because of behavior issues. So he's actually continuing with his behavior. Um, And that's that's how it is. (laughs) That's how it is. If you have a a daddy who is uh, very popular in that field, you always find connections and just, you know, it's sad. I thought a really interesting part of your story, Merhan, which a lot of women experience as well, is that when you spoke out um, about Warda and when these other women spoke out about the serial harasser and blackmailer um, from an elite family in Cairo, and it turned out that dozens and dozens and dozens of women uh-huh. had been harassed by him. Yeah. A lot, you and many other women found themselves punished, not just by their communities, not just by men protecting men, but but by people uh, who run social media. We have yep. to let you go in a little bit, but could you talk a little bit about what happened to you when you spoke out? Um, because mm-hmm. I felt like you were victimized again and you didn't stand for that either. Oh, big time. Again, this story, I think it kind of uncovered a lot of corruption that was just breaking underneath it. So I woke up and I found out that my Instagram and Facebook got shut down. And I got an email from Facebook saying that I violated their community rules. And I was like, how did I I didn't do anything. This is crazy. And obviously because of my job, I have commitment to certain brands that I have to keep those posts on my profile. So now you're getting me into legal trouble as well. So I didn't know what to do. I was in Dubai. I kept, you know, researching to find the Facebook head office in Dubai because I knew that they have branches in big cities around the world. And I couldn't find it. It's not even on Google Maps. It, there's just a level of secrecy as if I'm trying to speak to someone in the CIA. It's crazy how corporates think they're entitled to this kind of treatment. Um, I am a client. I'm a consumer. I have the whole right in the world to come to your office and ask questions. Uh, who are you to tell me that I'm not allowed to? And they have their own private security, their own little army. So you can't preach that. So I actually went to the public prosecutor and I said, I need a paper to authorize me to speak to someone in Facebook. He said, but we don't have such a paper. I said, no, I don't care. You're the most powerful man in the country after the president. Please, I need you to help me with that. And he actually did. He gave me that paper. Um, I found an old post that was posted like five years ago by a journalist taking selfies in the Instagram office in Dubai. And I just tracked it down until I found the building on the map. I went Persistence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I was so angry because of the amount of injustice from all angles. I'm getting attacked. Thousands of hate messages, thousands of threats. People are trying to harm me in the street because they don't want us to lose the championship. My family is suffering. And at the same time, Facebook decides that, oh, yeah, you need to shut up. Are you serious? That's that's crazy. So I actually went to the office. They didn't let me in at first. And I said, well, it's up to you. I have an authorization from the public prosecutor. It's either you let me speak to someone or I'm going to bring a police force and break down the, the walls right now. So it's your call. So they let me in. Uh, obviously, they wanted me to sign a non-disclosure. I refused because I'm not dumb. I'm not here to to humor you and your legal team. I'm here to figure out who gave you the right to behave like this. So they sat with me and they told me bluntly that, yeah, well, maybe they considered that you used your platform to out him. 
And I was like, did you shut down the accounts of the women who accused Bill Cosby of rape? Did you shut down the accounts of women who accused the current president, Trump, of rape and harassment? No. Was it just me? Did he pay you? I don't know. You tell me. And they're like, no, it's not like that, blah, blah, blah. So again, I called every newsstand in the city. I told them the situation. I told them I'm here in the office. They're refusing to help me. Uh, They think they are the CIA. And I don't know what they're doing with our information to the point that they refuse us to step a foot in that office. What's happening in this office? And then they just felt threatened because a lot of TV reporters were down the building, surrounding the building. They don't want bad grip. So they'll be like, okay, we're going to investigate. I said, no, honey, I'm going to give you two days, max, max. If you don't fix that, this means you simply don't know what you're doing. Okay. If my account is not back and the fake accounts are not shut down, because when they shut me down, a lot of people created fake accounts under my name and they started Mm. to spread a lot of things to make people hate me even more. So I was like, look what you're doing to me. You say you're anti-bullying and anti-harassment. You're actually bullying me and you sided with my harasser. You're the one who violated your own community rules. What are you talking about? So 100%. That's crazy. After I left 30 minutes, they called me and like, yeah, we want to officially apologize. It was shut down by mistake. How convenient, right? I was like, okay, Mm. fine. So I got my account back. And again, I went live and I said what happened. And I told them this is what happened. Everybody told me it's a lost cause. Don't go to Facebook. They will never listen to you. But if we kept doing this with everything, we're just going to die without living at all. If everybody is going to take a piece of us and a part of us, how are we supposed to, to, to enjoy life and learn and grow? It's always a fight. It's crazy. Oh my you are God. such a badass. I just have to like <laughs> applaud you for I mean, this whole story, but just like y- you can just feel the gravity and like how incredible you are as a role model for all women, because like we said, this is a spectrum. We experience this. All of us have either daily or on the reg and that's terrible. And it's so awesome to have, you know, a strong woman like you to, to look up to you. Like I'm going through your Instagram and there's just so many, like your captions in here just fire me up. (laughs) I am so passionate about life in general. I think we're here to do great things and learn and understand and love each other, not to, to stir up wars and fights. I think the biggest obstacle for any woman in the Middle East is one, her family first, and then the society, but always the family. And this is where I started. I actually spoke to my mom. I said, mom, I just want to ask you one question. Cause she obviously told me, don't say anything, man. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get bullied. I said, mom, mm. you think I'm doing anything wrong? Look me in the face and tell me that I'm wrong. She said, no, I said, mom, if, if I am strong, too strong, maybe for a male dominated society in Egypt, I get it. But don't forget that I got that from you. I got that from my dad. So don't you now tell me that I shouldn't do that, please. She said, no, I support you, but I'm scared for you. I said, I understand. But right now I need only the support, please. Oh, God bless. And God bless your family um, yes. for, for raising you to be the hell raiser that you are and to be as righteous as you are because, you know, you're lifting up other women, which is what I admire so much. It's not just that I admire um, how remarkable you are. I admire that a lot. But I also admire equally, if not more, that you use it to lift other women up, whether it's that 14 year old girl or the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women going on assault police. And I want to know how we can be more like you. I want to know how, how can we support the cause that you are helping with? How can we support these women in Egypt who are saying we are fed up? What can we do to help? I think when people or women in Egypt feel like their voice is actually heard outside that box they're living in, this is what encourages them to continue. They understand that, okay, then I am right. There are other women who are telling me that I am. I'm getting the support that I need, even if it's just words, morally. You feel empowered. I did not expect all that to happen. I did not expect that women are going to start speaking up and saying, no, I've I've had enough. And as you said, in our community, men take care of other men, even without knowing them. 
they take care of other men, the reputation, they take care of whatever. He's a bro, right? But mm. now in Egypt, women are actually taking care of, of other women as well. Now when they see someone harassing a woman in the street, they interfere. They're like, okay, you need to stop. I'm going to call the cops. Not like before. Two days ago, a girl got murdered in the street in Jordan by her own father because he found out that he was dating a guy. Just dating. He didn't oh, my God. He killed her in the street. Neighbors were watching from the balconies. The police took more than 30 minutes to arrive when she was already in her blood in the street. That's how bad it is. And some people now, they say, oh, we're fed up. You keep talking about feminism. You keep talking. If you do not do the stuff that you do, we will not have the need to talk about it. You need to fix your attitude and the way you look at women. And the problem, I think, again, is that they always assume they are more educated than you when it comes to religion because he's a man. I know better than you. God has put me on a pedestal. You're here to serve and just take care of me, basically. No, honey, you're not a you're a big kid who cannot take care of himself. You can just say that. This is where you need me because you don't know what to do with your life. So when they see someone who's actually educated about religion and you answer them with the same philosophy, this is when you get attacked because he's got no answer, right? But you helped a lot since we spoke the last time. I got a lot of messages and women are like, we're so happy that our voices are heard outside. One of the messages, the voice messages that the rapist, uh, Zaki, uh, or his friend sent to girls, he said, what do you expect? Nothing is going to happen. Do you think people are going to care? Well, guess what? We are right now. And I was telling Wednesday that the fact that I'm Egyptian and I know about the Black Lives Matter movement, and I'm sitting here talking to Wednesday and Whitney about Warda and Zaki, this is power. We are so connected more than we actually think or know. Mm-hmm. It's so We're true. Really- I mean, that's what's so awesome about technology and social media. I mean, we can always talk mm-hmm. about the, the cons of social media, but it does give us a platform and it also allows us to connect with women like yourself to share these stories, which are so incredibly important and to support each other because you have things that we can learn from just like we we have things that you can learn from. And then how can we uplift each other and amplify each other's messages and missions? And Absolutely. I think- I think one of the things that we can do and that our listeners can do is they can go to at assault police, right? And it's at assault police as in these women in Egypt are saying the police don't care that much about assault. So we have become at assault police, lift them up, send them messages. But more than that, put them all over Instagram, flood Instagram and Tell people, especially if you have friends who are journalists, or just tweet um, or put on Instagram that you want to know more about these women in Egypt. Tell people who create news. Yeah, it's a really busy news cycle. There are shit shows going on all over the world. But tell people who write the news any way you can that you want to know more about this story. Ask your friends on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter to just push out. We want to know more about Me Too in Egypt. And you can actually connect with these women on at Assault Police as well, right? Absolutely. Actually, since we spoke last time, that guy, Zeki, he confessed to six of the of the accusations presented from girls. And the priest that the girls accused of sexually assaulting them when they're kids actually got fired and he's under investigation right now. So the movement is working. So thank you for having me. Good. Oh my God. Keep on to Merhan and the women of Assault Police and the women of Egypt and the United Arab Emirates and everywhere in the Middle East who are having this big spark of Me Too. Keep on. And to our listeners, keep on supporting them every way that you can by telling your friends, by talking about it, by turning it into an even bigger news story than it already is. Yeah, and here in the states too. Keep talking about it. Keep bringing these these stories and supporting each other, and and you know connecting with people across the world. Like, let's do this. 
Absolutely. Yeah, because we have the biggest assaulter to turn out of office. The most powerful man in the world is a sexual assaulter, and it is time for him to go. Oh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Time for all of these sexual assaulters to get the fuck out. All right. (laughs) Tell people, Mehran, how they can find you for starters on social media. Oh, I'm so active on Instagram, like 24 seven. I'm always on it. It's uh, my first and last name, just as one word, Mehran Keller. Um, this is so that's what, at M E R H A N K E L L E R. Yes, correct. This is what I use the most. I always share those female stories. Uh, I actually spoke to a friend here in the U S and I knew about an incident that happened many years ago, uh, about a girl called Amina and Sarah. Their father was Egyptian and he actually killed them here in the U.S., both in his cab. He shot them dead because they have foreign boyfriends. And he's on the FBI, most wanted people. And a lot of people in Egypt didn't know about it. They never heard about that crime. And that guy could very much be sitting right now on a cafe next to one of them having tea in Egypt because he ran away from the U.S. So this is another case that we are trying to collaborate on. So see, now the U.S., people and Egyptian people are trying to find a criminal who killed two women. And that's amazing. In my opinion, that's, that's fantastic. If we can rely on each other that much. Mm. Then, then there's no stopping us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Merhan, thank you for being here with us today. We know how busy you are um, supporting women, lifting them up and just, dealing every day, all day, um, with what is happening, uh, with me too in the Middle East. Thank you for all your work and thanks for giving us the time today. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Whitney, so much. It was a pleasure to get to meet you uh, ladies virtually, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but Whitney, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, it would help us a lot if you would leave a review. Yeah. Leave a review, subscribe. We want to know how you guys felt about the episode. It really helps us out a lot to continue the success of the podcast and keep spreading our message.